If you guys have your Bible, go ahead and grab those. Uh, today we're in John chapter 10, and we will be reading from verses 1 through 10. Notice God's inerrant word. Let it speak to our minds and our hearts. John 10, verse 1 says this. And Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But a stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him, because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So, notice that so, because they did not understand, so Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Amen. As we were worshiping, the Lord brought a passage to mind, and I would like to share it with you all. This is 1 Peter chapter 2. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And coming to him as to a living stone, rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him shall not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe. Father, uh, we are here today yearning for your word. Lord, I just pray that your spirit would speak through your word, through me as a ball of dust. Lord, to the hearts and minds of all who are here, including myself, and to all those that are tuning in online. Lord, I just pray that you would be glorified in all things. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, in John chapter 10, Jesus presents something that we all starve for. Some of the uh, best years of my life were my years in seminary. Now, some say cemetery, but that is not true. It is seminary, and maybe a cemetery to some preachers, but moving on. Uh, a seminary, what is that? Is a seminary is a school for preachers. And looking back on those three and a half years, they were some of the greatest years of my life. But I went to DTS, Dallas Theological Seminary, expecting this heaven on earth, this oasis, and I got a boot camp, like being 
punched in the face like every day by assignments. Uh, and in between the 5,000 pages of reading a semester, in between learning Greek and Hebrew, and in between writing some probably 200 pages of papers every semester, in my very little spare time, I loved watching this show called Man vs. Wild. Okay. Now, if you've ever seen that show, Man vs. Wild is a show that follows along with a guy named Bear Grylls as he tries to survive in the wilderness. And I learned all sorts of useless information about how to start a fire by rubbing sticks together. may not be useless if an apocalypse happens, but how to survive falling in an icy lake, how to purify water. But my favorite part of the show was when he would eat disgusting things. He would eat snakes and bats and lizards and larvae, and he was in a cave in Borneo, and he looks up and he sees something crawling on the cave roof, and he just kind of grabs it and pops it in his mouth. Sorry. But in the midst of this show, in the midst of this, the seasons after seasons that I have watched throughout my life, I remember one particular episode. He's walking through the desert. And I remember all around him, there is no life. It is just desolation. No rivers, no creeks, no hope in sight with the sun beating down on his face. And I remember everything suddenly changed. That rain, manna from heaven, salvation, came to that region and gave salvation to him and life to all that was around him. That is a picture of the Christian life. Salvation came, bringing with it abundant life. That without Christ, that without Christ, we walk hopelessly through life. Searching for hope, searching for joy, searching for answers, searching for happiness. Yet every attempt that we make to find that joy, to find that happiness outside of Jesus Christ is nothing but a fistful of sand. There is only one way to abundant life. And that is through Christ Jesus and only through Him can we have the life that we seek. And if you've been here for any length of time in the Gospel of John, then you know that the theme of life, the Greek word is zoe, the, life, the theme of life drips from every page that Jesus came, not to just save, but also to give life here and now, to give water, living waters to people who will believe in Him. That Jesus came to turn our hopelessness into hope, to turn our sadness into joy, to turn the darkness into light. Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. But what's the question? What's the question? How do we find it? How do we gain this abundant life here and now? That in the midst of this life, how can we find Abundant life. That is the question in which we seek to answer today. And the answer we find is in John chapter 10. Today we see the abundant life in John chapter 10 verses 1 through 10. But, and if you have your Bible, turn in those with me. But then as we break into John chapter 10, let's just answer the question, where are we within the gospel of John itself? Let us place this passage within its context. 
As you may know, the Gospel of John breaks down into three main chronological sections. You have the prologue in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, that, and that is eternity past. In the beginning was, past tense, that before time itself, Jesus Christ and God, as triune God, already existed. In the beginning was the Word. And then you have John chapter 1, verses 19 through the end of John chapter 12. That section is three years. And then John chapter 13, verse 1 through the end of the book is three weeks. But what's amazing about this book and the Gospel of John is that even within the three years right in the middle, the author John slows down time. That if you've been here over the last couple of weeks, then you know John 7 introduces a feast. If you remember that feast, it's the Feast of Booths. And that signals to me that Jesus has, beginning in John chapter 7, Jesus has only six more months to live. But what's amazing is that the next temporal marker that we find, the major temporal marker that we find in the Gospel of John, comes halfway in John chapter 10. So John 7, John 8, John 9, and the first half of John 10 all happen within mere days of one another. And it's what I call the Feast of Booths Discourse. So when we pick up in John chapter 10, Jesus has only six months left to live, and that is where we pick up. And in this section of the Feast of Booths Discourse, John 7, 8, 9, and the first half of 10, what is the message that Jesus is trying to get through to the stubborn people of Israel? That He is God. Amen? That He is Yahweh. He says, I am the light of the world. Yahweh. Ego Amy. He's trying to get them to realize that He is the Son of God, that He is the Messiah, and that by believing in Him, they may have life in His name. So with this as our setting, today we're in John chapter 10, and if I could briefly outline the passage as a whole, John chapter 10 breaks down into three main sections. John 10 verses 1 through 6, we see a picture of the abundant life. We see in John 10, 7 and 8, verses 7 and 8, we see the perpetrators against pulling us away from the abundant life. And in John 10, 9 through 10, we see the promise of abundant life. Notice the picture of abundant life that we see in verses 1 through 6. Watch it with me. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. Notice the number there. Is it singular or plural? Keep that in the back of your mind. Verse 2. He who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own by name, and leads them out. When he puts forth all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And a stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. John chapter 10 verses 1 through 6 is a parable. It is a figure of speech. It is a metaphor. It is a parable that has a deeper meaning. And in my opinion, verses 1 through 6 is an intimate picture of the abundant life that we have in Christ Jesus. But before we unpack that, let us, let us first define some terms. Okay? So, who is the shepherd in this parable? 
If you know the context of this passage, you know verse 11, Jesus himself claims to be the shepherd, the excellent one, quite literally in the original language. So Jesus here is the shepherd. Who are the sheep? The sheep are those who hear and know his voice. The sheep are all those who believe in his name. And if you've, if you've known the Gospel of John to this point, who are these people? They are Jewish people that have believed in Jesus Christ. And to this point, they are only Jews that are his sheep. But in verse 16, that will expand to all who believe in him. And then you have the third thing we need to define, is who are the thief and who are the thieves? If you notice in the text, there is a singular and a plural that is mixing in and weaving in the passage. Who are they? We'll talk about that here more in a few minutes. But I want you to notice the abundant life that Christ gives to all of his sheep, to all those who will believe in his name. Notice verse 2. Of chapter 10. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice and call his own by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But a stranger that simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. The sheep hear his voice know his voice, and follow his voice. The picture of the abundant life is to hear his voice, to know his voice, and to follow his voice. It is to know Christ, to hear Christ, and to follow Christ. And if we will follow him, what what happens? According to verse 9, Jesus will lead us in and out, and we will find pasture. What does that mean? That we will find spiritual renewal in the presence of our shepherd, in the presence of our Savior. But notice here, the sheep will not follow any other voice, but only the voice that they recognize, which tells you what? That they intimately know their shepherd. The abundant life that we have in Christ Jesus is to know him intimately. Friends, that we were meant as his people, as his children, as his image bearers, as his heirs, that we as his sheep were meant to know and to hear and to follow God. We were designed to have an intimate relationship with God. That message changed my life 20 years ago. As most of you know, parts of my story, I grew up in church all my life. I grew up in a Christian family. And I, I never heard that message. I had sat in church all my life, and I never remember hearing a preacher ever tell me that as God's child, as God's image bearer, as God's sheep, as God's heir, that I was meant to know God. That, that message, I remember exactly where I was. I was up in the depot here at Calvary Bible Church. I was a knucklehead teenager with long hair past my eyes, if you remember that. I, and I remember, as a, I never heard that before, that I was meant to have a relationship with God. Friends, the abundant life that we have in God is to know Him and to follow Him. 
The Christian life is so much more than just going through the motions and putting on a good face and going to church. But the intimate life that we can know Jesus Christ is the abundant life that we find in Him. How can we find abundant life? My first point, if you have your notes, which I'll put it all together at the end when the slides come. Point number one is to follow Christ. How can we find abundant life is to follow Him. The picture of abundant life as sheep is to know and to hear and to follow God. But then notice those that pull us away. Notice the perpetrators against the abundant life. Notice verses 1, verses 8, and verses 10. Those three verses kind of give us the complete picture of who these people are, who the thieves are. Verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other way is a thief and a robber. Verse 8, All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. Verse 10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that we may have life and have it abundantly. These three verses unpack who the thieves are, why they come, and what they do. Who are the perpetrators against abundant life? They are the thieves and the robbers. Okay? Who are the thieves and the robbers? There are two different groups of people. If you notice in verse 8, they are plural. And then in verse 10, it is singular. And in verse 1, it is singular. So then we have to say, okay, who is the thief and who are the thieves? The thief here is only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief is Satan. And the thieves are all, are number one, false teachers. And number two, false messiahs, according to verse 8. Those, the thieves, are any false messiahs, any false teachers who hop in another way, any anyone that does not agree with the truth of his word. Anyone or anything that leads us away from the truth is a thief and a robber of abundant life. But in our culture today, false teachers can be difficult to spot. Perhaps at this moment in history, there are more influences on the mind and heart than at any other time. We have false teachers on TV, but those are easy to spot. <laughs> Got an amen. All right. We have false teachers on YouTube. Can I get an amen to that one too? We have false teachers on streaming services. We have false teachers that write Christian publications. But what's interesting about these false teachers is this, is they hardly ever come out, they, well, they never say, well, I'm a wolf in sheep's clothing, I'm a false teacher, so they never say that, number one. But number two, they never directly attack, typically, the veracity and validity of Jesus Christ himself. What do false teachers do? They wear out the edges. They start making us question the veracity and validity of the Scripture. They say something like this. Well, there really wasn't a flood. There really wasn't, well, okay, there really wasn't a worldwide flood. I heard one time, I was at a different church, and somebody was trying to convince me of this viewpoint of the flood, that all of the people in Noah's time lived in the basin of the Mediterranean Sea. Okay, go with me on this. And that the Strait of Gibraltar broke... 
And the Atlantic Ocean flooded what is now modern-day Mediterranean Sea. And I was like, huh? What's that? Either, friends, listen, either the Bible is truth or, is it, or it isn't. Either there was a worldwide flood or there wasn't. It's no great. And think about also false teachers. They, what else did they try to convince us of the truth? They erode the edges, trying to convince Christians that somehow, someway, theistic evolution is true. But it can't be. Because before the fall, there was no death. That's the major problem. I mean, besides that it disagrees with the scripture itself. But, I mean, there was no death. But this is how false teachers infiltrate the church. They begin to wear down the edges. They question the veracity and validity and power and inerrancy and inspiration of the scripture. They hop in another way. They oftentimes do not question the person and character of Christ, but they hop in another way. They start questioning other areas of the Christian life, leading the sheep away from the truth and from our Savior that we know. How can we find abundant life by following and knowing Christ and not thieves? The perpetrators against abundant life are all those who disagree with truth. But then notice the third section of this passage. Notice the promise. And the promise, I mean, I'm just giving you a, a foreshadowing. The promise of abundant life is more than just eternal life. Notice, verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Who is the they? In verse 10, I came that they. Who is the they? It is the sheep that know his voice, the sheep that have entered through the door into salvation, the sheep who have believed in Jesus Christ. So he has come to give the sheep, us, if you're a believer, abundant life. But the word abundant here in the original language is the Greek word perisos. And the Greek word is only used five times in the New Testament. And it, it, it means beyond measure. That Christ has come to give us life and that that life would be beyond measure. Christ came and died to buy my sinful soul with the payment of his blood, more than for us to just have a ticket to heaven, but that we would have life beyond measure. But when? Probably the best part of John chapter 10, verse 10, is the verb. If you notice that verb, and the last part is have, may have. That verb, have, is a present tense verb it's not future tense he's not saying that you will have life and will have it abundantly no it's present tense verb now that Christ came to give us life beyond measure now not just in heaven we will have abundant life in eternal life but friends the salvation, the gospel that Christ has given us to us freely through payment of His blood gives us abundant life now. 
And that abundant life is what? That we may hear Him. That we may know Him. And that we may follow Him. But how do we gain it? How do we get it? How do we acquire abundant life? Notice verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And go in and out and find pasture. We gain abundant life by entering through Christ. Let's just say it this way. That we enter into abundant life by believing in Him as our Savior. That He is the door. In the original language, when He says, I am, it's the same ego, Amy. He's proclaiming Himself to be Yahweh. But what is, okay, so He's Yahweh the door. What does that mean? That He is the gateway to life. That He is the path to life. That only through Jesus Christ can we have eternal life and earthly abundant life. There are other false teachers in the world that hop in another way that will try to convince us that you can be good enough to get to heaven or that the Bible really isn't the truth or that Jesus really isn't the only way to heaven. But it is the only way to heaven because He is the door. Period. He is the only way to eternal life and abundant life. In this culture, the shepherd would lead out his sheep to pasture. And then he would return his sheep to the fold. And the fold was basically a four-foot fence, probably circular in nature or in a cave somewhere. And if you can picture this with me, it's a four-foot fence of stone laying around, and the shepherd would lead his sheep into the fold so robbers could hop in over the fence. But then at night, the shepherd would lay across the opening, and there was only One opening to the sheepfold. There's only one way in and one way out. And at night, the shepherd would lay across that one opening to protect the sheep and prevent their escape. That is the picture, I believe, that Jesus is trying to convey. That he is not only the shepherd, but that he is the door. He is the only opening to eternal life. That those who would believe in him would be one of his sheep and he would protect us and he would guide us to green pastures. The picture of abundant life is to know God, hear God, and follow God. The perpetrators against abundant life are all those who disagree with truth. And the promise of abundant life that we have in Jesus Christ is life beyond measure through faith in Christ as the door. But the question is, is how can we find abundant life? If I can put it all together in one centralized point for us this morning, is this, how can we find abundant life? We enter through and follow Christ, not thieves, to find abundant life. let's just ask the question, is that true? Is it true that Christ came to give me abundant life? Is it true that Christ came to give me a life that is beyond measure? Because if, if, if we... If we pull down the mask a little bit, okay, if we kind of take off the outer shell that we let other Christians see and we kind of just 
pull it off for just a second, we really look inside, many Christians would say that they do not live an abundant life. Can I get an amen to that one? Many of us would say that we don't really understand that, that, that this isn't true. That Christ really seemingly didn't come to give me abundant life. That, that many of us cannot hear His voice. Many of us do not know His voice. Many of us cannot follow His voice. And many of us here today are being beaten down by the lies of the world rather than being lifted up by the truth of God's Word. Christ came to give us abundant life, but is that true? I'll give you three evidences that it is true. Number one, it is biblical. The truth of the scripture here in John chapter 10 that Jesus came to give us abundant life, it is plain here. But number two, evidence that Christ came to give us abundant life is theology. How were we created? I mean, originally, in the Garden of Eden. How were we created? We were created to know God. We were created to walk in the garden with Him and to serve Him with everything, all the tasks He gave to Adam and Eve. Christ, or God created mankind so that we would know Him and through knowing Him that we would have abundant life. But if you still are not convinced that the abundant life is to know God, then think about the gospel itself. The gospel proves that we are meant to know and to hear and to follow God. That we are meant to have an intimate relationship with the Lord. I mean, think about the gospel itself. If the abundant life was not to know and to be reconciled to God, then why would Christ come at all? Because God did not need us. We chose to sin. That He is justified in His condemning us all to hell. But in a demonstration of His love, He came that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That we as human beings were meant to know Him. And that is, a, that is the abundant life that we have in God Himself. The abundant life of knowing God is proven biblically, it is proven theologically, and it is proven personally. You know, this week, I was just chewing on this idea. Is it true that the abundant life in God is to know Him? And I thought back on the 36 years of my life. You know how old I am now. Almost 36, actually. (laughs) I think back on the 36 years of my life, and the best years of my life were the ones that I was closest to the Lord. The abundant life that I have seen, the most abundant life that I've seen in my life was when I was closest to the Lord, is when I could hear His voice and when I would know Him and when I followed Him fully. I would imagine you would say something very similar. The best years of your life were ones that you knew the voice of God. Before I close, I would like to kind of turn the table to uh, some two different applications for us this morning. One is for those who have not entered as sheep, and one is for those who are God's sheep. Application number one, if you do not know the voice of God, then my application for you is for you to enter the door. The only way to abundant life 
the only way to eternal life, the only way to a life beyond measure here on earth is by entering into the door, is by believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've been in church your whole life. Maybe you've been sitting in these pews for years and years and years. But you may be saying to me, you know, Bart, I feel like I've never really known God. This whole uh, having a relationship with the Lord is foreign. If that is you this morning, then maybe you're not one of his sheep. Maybe you have never entered the door. Maybe you have never truly surrendered your life to Christ. I say this on a pretty regular basis that I am nervous about getting to heaven. What? I'm nervous about getting to heaven and entering into abundant life for eternity. I am terrified of seeing my people, my family that are in this room and beyond, come to the pearly gates and the Lord will say, I never knew you. If you do not know God, if you've never walked with him, if you've never heard his voice, if you do not follow him, then maybe you're not one of his sheep. Believe and you shall be saved. My second application is for those who are sheep, for those who believe in his name. My second application is for you to know God. Friends, we were meant to know his voice. We were meant and created to have an intimate relationship with the Lord. It is clearly seen in John chapter 10. It is clearly seen in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and far beyond. We are meant to walk with God and to hear and to be guided and to walk by the Spirit. If, if you have not been led by God in a while, then pick up your Bible and read. Then go to the Lord in prayer and journaling some thoughts to Him and then turn to the Scripture as I shared a couple of weeks ago. If, you, if you're having a hard time with accountability and you kind of want a little bit more people in your life, then come to a growth group. Come on Wednesday night at 6.30 and, and find relationship with other people. Friends, we are meant to know God, follow Him, enter through, the, enter through Christ Jesus to have abundant life. Let us live as we were designed, knowing God intimately and living the abundant life. Bow with me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we get so busy. We have so many things on our plate. We have so many distractions. And Lord, I believe that most of us in this room sincerely desire to follow you. But as his sheep, we can become distracted by other things and find our lives being torn apart by the thieves and robbers that have come to destroy it. The devil is a lion prowling around. Lord, I just pray that we would grow closer to you. How are we responding to you today and how will we respond to you this week? Lord, I pray that we would grow in our relationship with you, that we would follow you to whatever ends that you would have for us and that we would follow you to the green pastures that you promise are out there. Lord, I pray that we would find renewal daily in your presence and in your word. And Lord, that we would be guided by your spirit. And Lord, I pray that we would walk differently 
That we would be a light to the darkness of the world. That the people in the world, people at our work, people in our, our own homes, in our own family, would look at our lives and see that we are different. Lord, I just pray that we would know you. And we would follow you. Lord, thank you for this morning. I thank you for a couple of weeks to rest my mind. I thank you for the elders that have preached in my stead. I thank you for the people in this room and for their faithfulness and their love for you and love for your word. I pray that you would be with us as we go. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.